That runs everything well. And with me as manager, we must be favourites for the cup. Hooray! Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show. Broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, sometimes rainy, sometimes sunny, British Columbia. I'm your host, Michael McCall, and we've got a little bit of a different show for you this week. Still the usual packed show. We're going to be talking Whitecaps. We're going to be talking MLS, MLS Next Pro, Canadian Premier League, Canadian Championship, League One Canada, League One BC. We've got three interviews to bring you. We've got lots of other audio to bring you as well. So, tons of stuff. But I am actually flying solo on this episode of the show because I'm on my holly bags. I'm down the Oregon coast. If you listen very carefully in the background, you'll hear the waves coming in, crashing into the shore from my seaside retreat that we've gone down to to unwind a little bit after a hectic few days and few weeks in the BC soccer landscape. But it doesn't stop us doing the show. I told the guys that whilst I'm on holiday, they can have a holiday as well. So I've given them all this week off. So you are stuck with me as we go over so many different aspects of things that's been happening throughout Canadian soccer in this past week. And what a week it's been. We're going to start things off, though, in Major League Soccer, and it's going to be our Whitecaps News of the Week. No game for the Whitecaps this week, but that didn't work against them because they finished the week where they started it, 8th place in the Western Conference on 10 points. 9 points now behind leaders St. Louis and Seattle. LAFC remain unbeaten in there as well in what is shaping up to be a very, very interesting Western Conference battle. You've got St. Louis out in front on 19, Seattle 2nd on 19, LAFC having played a game less on 18. And they're starting to pull away a little bit after this weekend's matches. Not going to dwell and delve into this weekend's matches too much, but just to, to recap for anyone that hasn't really been paying too much attention, 
for what the results were in the West. Cincinnati beat Portland 2-1. New York City beat Dallas 3-1. Sporting Kansas City still can't catch a break. Still can't catch a win. 2-1 defeat they went down to on the road to New England. Johnny Russell got on the score sheet for them, but they finished the game with 10 men as well. Things just continuing to be a, a really tough go of it for Sporting Kansas City. Firmly rooted now at the, the bottom of the Western Conference. Nashville won. LAFC won, so LAFC did drop a couple of points this weekend, but still kept their unbeaten record intact. Houston, big 1-0 win over Inter-Miami. The pressure mounting on Phil Neville. We talked about the managers that were maybe under pressure a couple of shows ago. Peter Vermees at Sporting Kansas City. Phil Neville at Inter-Miami, certainly two of those. Real Salt Lake came away with a big 3-1 win over San Jose. It was one apiece between Colorado and St. Louis, whereas Seattle came away with a 1-0 win over Minnesota at a home game that they had as well. And the LA Galaxy got their first win of the season, a 2-0 win at home to Austin. Chicharito opened the scoring in the 54th minute. Ricky Puge, 10 minutes later, Given LA Galaxy that much sought after first win of the season and taking a little bit of the pressure off another one of those Western Conference managers that had to be kind of just looking over his shoulder a little bit. So, told you the top three, St. Louis, Seattle, LAFC. Dallas in fourth on 14 from nine. San Jose in fifth, 14 from nine. Houston in sixth. They've played eight games and have 13 points. Minnesota, seventh, 11 from eight. Vancouver, 10 from eight and eighth. And Real Salt Lake in that ninth and final playoff spot just now. Nine points from their eight games. Just on the outside looking in. Portland in 10th on eight. Austin in 11th on eight. Colorado in 12th on eight. Galaxy still down the bottom, but with that first win, six points from their eight games. And poor old Sporting Kansas City, they do have three points, that's from three draws. No wins, six defeats, minus ten goal difference. The only way is up for Sporting KC, it has to be said. Whitecaps are in action in MLS duty at BC Place, 7.30 next Saturday. Colorado Rapids come to town. You've got to be thinking the Whitecaps fancy boosting their good home form of late and extending that six-game unbeaten streak. Can they get it to seven? Can they get almost to that all-time record for clean sheets and shutouts as well? We'll find out in a few days' time. So whilst the MLS team weren't in action, four of the MLS squad did turn out at Swangard Stadium on Sunday for WFC2. Isaac Bomer got the start in goal. JC Gando also got his first run out, well, actually second run out for WFC2. Karifa Yao started that game, as did Diber Kaiseido, still trying to get up to full match fitness. And a very good outing, not just for Kaiseido, but also for the rest of his WFC2 teammates, 
a very impressive 5-2 win over Minnesota United 2. Minnesota actually took the lead in this one in the 16th minute through Patrick Weir. But Levante Johnson tied things up in the 24th, running at the back post to finish a cross in from JC Gando. I'm saying cross, I still think he might have been trying to curl it into the far corner. Ended up though as a perfect cross and it was put away by Levante Johnston. Lucas Dazovic gave the Whitecaps the lead in the 38th minute, but then right on the stroke of half-time, two minutes into first half stoppage time, Diogo Pacheco tied things up for Minnesota, free kick to an unfortunate deflection off the wall and took the ball past Isaac Bomer. So 2-2 at the half, but Whitecaps came out in the second half, turned it up in the horrible wet conditions at Swangard. Diber Caicedo gave the Whitecaps the lead in the 51st minute from the spot and there was no looking back for them after that. Levante Johnson got his second in the 78th minute and then Jay Herdman with the goal of the game took a touch, couple of touches inside, fired in a 20-yarder low into the bottom of the net. Whitecaps 2-goal nap, 5-2 win, taking them from 6th in the standings at the start of the night to 3rd in the standings at the end of it. And things looking very, very good for WFC2. And if you get a chance to get out and watch this team play, please do. They are playing such an exciting and entertaining attacking brand of football right now. They're an absolute joy to watch. So much talent in this WFC2 team. Really hope to see them get rewarded, get some more of these call-ups. And... We were having a, a chat on Twitter actually about that today, Oz Sweeney, Greg Petrie and myself and we want to see these guys rewarded but there's no point just calling them up and just having them sitting on the bench for experience. If you're calling them up, I want to see these guys get a couple of minutes, even if it's just a few token minutes at the end of the game, just to see what they can do at that next level and a perfect reward for all the hard work and everything that they're putting into this WFC2 team this season. They're away from home this weekend, but they'll soon be back at BC Place. Not BC Place, at Swan Guard. May 7th is the next home game for them. If you're able to, get out and show them your support. So as I mentioned, a lot of exciting talent on that WFC2 team. And we've brought you a few interviews with some of the guys already this season. Gloria Amanda... Antoine Coupland we've spoken to, spoke to a lot of the guys last year as well. So I'm going to bring you another interview for that just now. Now I did this two Whitecaps two games ago, their only first and only loss of the season to LA Galaxy in a, another barn burner of a game. That was a 4-3 loss and they really should have come away with, with something from that one. Just a defensive slip up in the dying minutes cost them dear there. But I got a chance after that game to chat with midfielder Malcolm Johnston. The 22-year-old and brother of Alistair Johnston has Vancouver. He was born here. His dad played out here as well, but spent most of his life over in Ontario. Had his youth career with Vaughan Azuri. Went to NCAA with Maryland Terrapins, where he scored 14 goals in 61 appearances. And was also the captain of the team from his second year onwards as well. 
really solid college career from Malcolm. He finished his last college season as top scorer for the team. Six goals, eight assists. And that play was rewarded by a first-round draft pick by New York City FC, the 26th overall pick in this year's MLS Super Draft. And when we were looking at the guys that the Whitecaps might have taken in, in the draft, you always look for the Canadian players. And Malcolm Johnston was one of those guys that was on many people's lists as a guy that the Whitecaps could get. Instead, though, went to New York City FC Things didn't work out there though and he became available again. Whitecaps spooped in and he's now signed a contract with WFC2 and playing some great stuff as well and definitely a player to keep an eye on. So as I say, I got a chance to catch up with him after one of their recent games. Here's my chat with WFC2 midfielder Malcolm Johnston. So, Malcolm, just first thing I ask you, how are you enjoying life uh, in Vancouver so far? Yeah, it's been very nice. This is, uh, I was actually born here. I only lived here for about a few months and then uh, traveled across the country. But, you know, I'm loving Vancouver. It's, uh, it's a beautiful city to live in and I have tons of family here, so it's always nice to see them uh, on a weekly basis instead of like a yearly basis. So, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been a good time so far. Now, we're talking to you after the, the Galaxy game, which is unfortunately the, the first loss of the season, but it's been a really good start for the team so far. And As a unit, it's a bunch of hungry guys, you're all playing together as a team. How have you felt the bond and the chemistry has been with, with the team this year? Yeah, it's, been, it's, a, it's a young group, They're, it's a young hungry group that are all looking to, uh, to perform and do well in this league. Uh, obviously, it's, every week's a new challenge, a new team that imposes new threats, and I think... Uh, this young group is bonding together well. It's taken us, you know, we've had a, we've had a flying start and we're a small setback today, but that, that's football. Those things happen, and we're looking to rebound next week. So, yeah, you, you played your, your football with, with Maryland and NCAA drafted by, by New York as well. How did the journey then take you to here in Vancouver? Yeah, it's uh, football's a lot of ups and downs. Um, unfortunately, things didn't work out for me in uh, in New York, but. You know, one door closes, another door opens, and Vancouver was very interested in bringing me uh, to play here. And you know, this is this is a beautiful city, and like I said, so many family here. So uh, it was a no-brainer for me. So I took the opportunity, and I'm looking to uh, to capitalize on it. Now, you're from a football and family. Uh, I know your dad played for West Side here way back yes, in the yes. in the day as well. So was it always going to be? Was that all you were going to be a footballer? Like, when did you know that you wanted to to be a footballer? And when did you know you had what it took to to be a footballer? Yeah, I mean, from a young age, uh, I would say me and me and Alistair, who's a pretty well-known name, uh, we were up at and on the East Coast. It was about 7 a.m. We were up almost every weekend uh, watching EPL. We're both United fans, and we get up and when it was when I was a child, it was a it was a fun few years because they were doing so well, and they've had a bit of a bit of a setback the past few years. But this year, they've been doing well, and uh, yeah, I mean, kind of just grew up in a in a football household. Was around it my whole life. Um, was actually playing high-level hockey and soccer at the same time until I was about 13, 14 years old, and decided to stick with soccer because that's where that's where my heart that's where my heart lay. And uh, you know, I haven't looked back from there. So, what's your hopes for for this season? Is it to to just stand out as much as you can? Are, are you looking to to stay in North America? Would you like to follow Alistair and, and go down the European path? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, those are future goals. But right now, I'm just focused on this year with this team. We're looking to. Uh, 
obviously play well as a team week in, week out, get the results, and you know, with that will come individual performances that will allow you to take the next next step. But right now, I'm just focusing on this team and every week trying to get trying to get three points. And just very last thing. So when you like when you're watching Alistair and you see his journey, because just a few years ago he was playing in League One, and yeah. now you see where he is and. At least you get to talk to a Scottish journalist as well. So. Yeah. But I mean, when you see what, what he's done, what, how quickly that's come, you, you must just kind of pinch yourself about what's happened with him and, and think what could happen for you. Yeah, I mean, he's, his journey's been unbelievable. I still, to this day, watching him play for Celtic in Canada, sometimes I don't believe him. I'm like, wow, that's, that's really my older brother. Uh, you know, I think it's just a, it's a test to all young Canadians that anything is possible, really, and he's really shown that. Um, his whole childhood, he was kind of overlooked as a footballer and kind of grew late, uh, grew into his body a bit late. But, you know, he's probably the hardest worker I know, and I think that hard work is showing. And I'm looking to uh, hopefully follow his footsteps at some point. I'll let you get a show now, so thanks Thank for speaking you. to me. Thank thanks much. so much. Cheers. Malcolm Johnston there. As I mentioned, Looking really good so far for WFC too. Definitely a, a player you want to keep your eye on. Can play a, a variety of roles on the team as well. And as I, I mentioned there, Tim, it's not just his brother that gets to speak to Scottish journalists. Malcolm gets the pleasure of doing that as well. Now with those first team call-ups into that WFC 2 game, Malcolm featured off the bench in that big win on Sunday. We talked about Diber Caicedo playing in that game, looking good in it as well, getting that match fitness and sharpness that, that he needs. Got a goal from the penalty spot. And of course, we talked a couple of seasons ago about that Colombian connection, Diber Caicedo, Christian Dahomey. It was electric in 2021. Sadly though, Diber got his injury last year derailed what we hoped to, to see from him and he's still trying to get back into the team. Fingers crossed he can get back to the, the level that he was when we, we saw him fully flying in 2021. If he is to get to that level though, it's going to be without his Colombian teammate, Christian Dahomey, because Dajo is moving on from the Whitecaps, traded to DC United, now, I'm recording this podcast on Monday evening, so this news has just broken a few hours ago be before I started recording. Nothing has been officially announced yet, neither club has put this out, so by the time that you're listening to this, the full details will be known. But from what we can gather from the initial reports that's come out, Stephen Goff had the first report on Twitter, the homie has been transferred to DC United in return for allocation money after 84 appearances for the Whitecaps, 15 goals, 13 assists. The Whitecaps losing a player that can be just so impressive and, and so deadly and we saw pre-season that he was in a rich vein of form. I mean, and at the end of last year, I said, look, with the salary that he's on, I'm happy to see him move on because he's just not performing. The whole can, trying to convert him into a wing-back, which was an absolute disaster, seemed to dent his confidence a little bit. But he seemed to have that confidence, that swagger back in pre-season, was banging the goals in. 
But so far, as the competitive season has got underway, we haven't seen that transfer into that season. So I'm not too sad to see him move on, I've got to say. I know he's a talent, but it just wasn't producing it for the White Caps. I'm very surprised, though, by what seems to be coming out from the deal. So it looks like the Whitecaps are going to get 550000 in general allocation money. Initially, they're going to get 350000 up front. And then, if Dajo hits the, the performance targets and everything that is required, there'll be a further 200000 received in 2025. Now, it also seems to be from the initial reports that the Whitecaps will be paying the bulk of Dahomey's salary for this year as well, which makes this seem a very strange deal. And, I mean, there's so many questions that, that you've got kind of swirling around. Did he want to leave? That's the first one that you think about and that the club let him go. Not according to a, a tweet that Har sent out, our, our good friend Harjit Jahal, who said that she spoke to Dajo and he was just back from holiday, looking forward to the Colorado game and just looking forward to being with the Whitecaps. So this is a real strange move. So unless the Whitecaps have something up their sleeve of someone that they're looking to be bringing in, someone that they want this allocation money for, it makes no sense and it just feels there's more to it than is initially coming out. So won't speculate too much just now. We'll do a little bit of digging over the course of the week. We'll see what the official announcements are. And then, but we'll talk a little bit more about it on the next show when we've got the guys back on and just see what they make of it. But for now, the homie moving on to DC United. We wish them all the very best. So that's pretty much it for our Whitecaps news of the week. The other thing the Whitecaps learned this week was who their opponents were going to be in the Canadian Championship to kick things off of the defence of the title. Turns out it's York United. We were deprived of the Vancouver FC, Vancouver Whitecaps' first ever derby by a very controversial refereeing decision on Wednesday night in that York United-Vancouver FC first-round matchup. Mobabuli scored the only goal of the game in the sixth minute from the spot in one of the worst penalty decisions you're ever going to see. For anyone that doesn't know, there's no VAR in the CPL. There's no VAR thus in the Canadian Championship when the CPL teams are hosting and stuff. And referee Michael Venn had an absolute mare in that. Vancouver FC's first ever Canadian Championship game robbed from that. They also, I think, should have got a penalty themselves in the, the closing minutes of the game that would have sent the game to, to spot kicks as well. But York ended up going through 1-0. They will now host the Whitecaps in the quarterfinals in a game that will take place on May 10th. What an eventful week it was of Canadian Championship action. The action got underway on Tuesday night. Two games... Two League One teams taking part in them. PLSQ, League One Quebec, as they are now rebranded, Champions Laval, fell 3-0 to Forge. 
two goals for Noah Jensen and a penalty from Rubens Passius did the damage there for the CPL champions. Same time that that game was getting played, Montreal were beating League One champs Vaughan 2-0 and made to work very hard as well to get that victory. Two goals in a five-minute spell from Sean Rea and Sanusi Ibrahim in the 31st and 36th minutes saw the MLS side advance. When they went two up, you thought they were going to just kind of turn it on and then just be out of sight, but they didn't. Vaughan had their chances. Vaughan should have taken the lead in this game as well, and you can't help but wonder what could have been if they had taken that chance, and they did have a few chances in it, but they put a a good show off themselves. But neither of the League One sides able to advance, at least on Tuesday. Another game on Wednesday, just before the York-Vancouver FC game. Another game at York Lions Stadium that hosted a doubleheader, as neither Halifax nor Ottawa were able or wanted to host the, the first round matchup. So, drawn together... The match had to get played at a neutral venue, which turned out to be York Stadium. And in a rematch of the CPL game from the weekend before, it was Halifax and Ottawa. This time, though, Ottawa came away with a 3-1 victory. Halifax Wanderers actually took the lead in this one through Massimo Ferrin in the 19th minute. Ottawa, though, came back with two goals before half-time. Malcolm Shaw in the 40th minute, Diego Aspeo in the 44th and then with five minutes of the game remaining as the Wanderers pushed for the equaliser Maxim Tiso got a third for Ottawa and that moved them through to the quarterfinals they'll be facing Forge in that quarterfinal matchup Montreal will be facing TFC in that side of the bracket as well in the all MLS battle in the, if you want to call it, the eastern side of the bracket in the Canadian Championship. So that was your appetizers before the main course. And yes, the main course was TSS Rovers against Valor at Swan Guard, Wednesday evening under the lights in Burnaby. What an occasion. What a match. What a performance. What a win for TSS Rovers, becoming the first ever League One side to knock out a professional team in the competition. Valor, the unfortunate team to get knocked out, continuing the kind of history-making of the wrong sort by the DeSantis brothers in this competition. Mark and Phil in charge of the Whitecaps, of course, when they became the first MLS side to lose to a CPL side in the competition when Pacific knocked them out in 2021, costing the DeSantis brothers their job in the process. Now, Phil DeSantis becomes the first CPL coach to lose to a League One team, or I should say get knocked out to a League One team because Vaughan did previously win a game in the Canadian Championship against Halifax, That was when it was two-legged affair, so it was all a little bit different back then. But this is the first time a CPL side has been knocked out by a League One side. And you've got to say, TSS Rovers, on the night, absolutely deserved it. Knocked it out of the park and smashed this game against Valor. 
It was a, a great performance from every single TSS Rovers player to a man. Matteo Polisi opened the scoring for TSS in the 39th minute. Three minutes later, TSS, the fans, myself in the press box, just lost our shit as Ivan Mejia made it 2-0. Two really well taken goals by both players. Defensively though, you've got to say, I don't know what the hell Valor were doing, especially in the first goal from Matteo Polisi, that he had all the time in the world to make space to get his shot off. And then the six foot seven keeper managed to somehow make himself seem smaller as he dived to try to, to get down to get it. TSS did not care a jot, took a 2-0 lead into the second half. And they extended that in the 62nd minute. Polisi got his second goal of the game. Brilliant celebrations. I'm sure you've seen all the photos. Jumped into the Swan Guardian section behind the goal. 3-0 to TSS. They even had the luxury of missing a penalty a few minutes later. Polisi had a chance for a hat-trick but saw his spot kick saved. Maybe a slight squeaky bum time towards the end as Valor... Pulled one back with two minutes to go from the spot. Anthony Novak. There was six minutes of stoppage time, but not enough for Valor to get back into it. And they didn't really show much over the course of the game to get back into it. I mean, it has to be said as well. Got to say, every TSS player was fantastic out there. But for Matteo Polisi, a player that had a very brief look from Valor in the CPL pre-season came on as a late second-half sub in Valor's pre-season game here against Vancouver FC, scored the equaliser in a 2-0 draw. Valor said, yeah, we, we know what you can do, we just don't have room on our roster just now, we'll maybe get in touch with you later. He came back to haunt them and show them exactly what they missed out on with those two goals. But it wasn't a one-man show, it was a complete team effort and just... TSS Rovers making history. I'm still cock-a-hoop about it. I don't know how many times I've watched the goals and the highlights now. My voice, which you'll hear from some of the, the interviews that we've got coming up in the show, was gone for a couple of days. I think it's kind of come back a little bit now, but it was just fantastic stuff all round. And the media attention afterwards that TSS have got. AFT and photographer Tommy Wasiek delighted to see his picture used on the back page spread that the province did. Want to thank JJ Adams for giving TSS that great publicity and coverage in the paper. Also, Global TV as well have been absolutely phenomenal covering the team. Had Will Cromack on before the game. They did a couple of interviews with some players as well on Friday and with Will. And then I was on the the morning show with Jay Janower on Sunday as well, just talking about the game and local BC soccer. So thank you so much to Global for covering the game at this level. Very much appreciated. And yeah, the the pirate ship now moves on to, to take on Pacific in the next round. We'll come to that in a sec. Just to wrap up talking about TSS Valor though, I want to play a little bit of the, the post-game audio from Valor coach Phil DeSantis just chatting about the defeat and very magnanimous you've got to say in defeat as well
look, uh, I think they they came at us the way we expected them. High energy, um, very direct, um, played on what we gave them. I think that we were um, we made too many mistakes dealing with with the first ball and then you know allowing balls to bounce and. Uh, not having place players close enough to deal with with the second ball, and um, when you concede the first goal, then the team unsettles, and uh, and we couldn't find our rhythm, we couldn't find our our game. So uh, uh, it's hard, it's hard to to pinpoint what what happened out there. Uh, I'm gonna have to rewatch the game, but um, I just felt we didn't we didn't do enough today. It wasn't good enough. You know, what do you feel about your team maybe lacked in the final third that was there against York, but maybe was uh, here enough tonight against uh, Rovers? Yeah, I think we didn't play fast enough. I think that we, uh, even even our touches, everything seemed like we were overworking things. It was it was slow, uh, not enough rupture. I felt that we could have been, we could have been, I look at the first half, yes ball but not enough effectiveness and and we didn't do much out of that position i you know i i think we had one shot on goal in the first half so again it's good to have the ball but it's what you do with it that that's going to be the most important Uh, uncharacteristic uh, i don't i don't like to talk about the past but you come from a game where you 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 found that rupture you you created and and just for yeah, very different game. Uh, the spaces that were given to us and uh, today was very different. But we just couldn't find uh, find uh, the, the the spaces. We couldn't create rupture. Uh, we couldn't even would isolate certain players out wide in one v one situation. We looked heavy at moments. So uh, yeah, that's the way I see it. Uh, you know, very in the heat of the, of the moment. PDS there, just chatting about TSS Rovers' historic 3-1 victory over Valor on Wednesday night. Now, as I mentioned, the pirate ship is heading over to Vancouver Island. They will be facing Pacific FC in the next round, a BC derby, and Pacific got through on penalties after a one all draw with Cavalry FC. Meyer Bevan opened the scoring for Cavalry in the 28th minute before Easton and Garrow got his first goal of the season for Pacific FC in the 39th. No further goals. The game went to penalties and Pacific went through 5-3 in the end. Dan Klomp, the unfortunate cavalryman, to see his penalty denied. Just over 2,000 fans at Starlight Stadium for that one and fingers crossed we can get a good turnout for the next round, the quarterfinal, when TSS come a-calling. Watch on the social media this week as we'll have ticket announcements and details of maybe packages, but but certainly tickets and we're trying to get some hotel, hotel deals sorted out for the TSS Rovers fans that want to make the trip to the island. The game is on Wednesday, May 10th. It's a late one. It's a 7.30 kick-off, so unfortunately... That means it is a stay over. There's no chance of getting the last ferry home. But it should be a fantastic occasion. Been a lot of talk that BC is purple. Let's see if we can make it red and black instead. 
I genuinely cannot wait for this. It should be a great occasion. And, I mean, Pacific are going into that as big, big favourites. But I think TSS showed they've got a, a real chance of pulling off another upset here if they play like that. The thing is, of course, now, they're no longer surprise packages, but there's still not a, a lot for James Merriman and his team to kind of scout. So I got a chance to chat to James after that win over Cavalry on Thursday night, just to look ahead to that TSS game. Here's what he had to tell me. Hey, James, congratulations on the win tonight. Thank you. Just want to ask about the, the next round and the, the match against TSS. Speaking to a couple of the Valor guys last night, they kind of commented that it was difficult to prepare for that game because there wasn't a lot of game tape on TSS. You've obviously got some from the match last night, but do you find that a tricky situation or is it just a case of preparing your team for everything and then not really worrying about the opposition? I think I think we'll we'll take what what we can from the match that they played Valor, but I think the biggest thing that I saw was the spirit in the group and and the work rate and um, how they were collective together, trying to prove something, trying to trying to show and individually trying to show. So we need to be prepared for that and uh, respect that, which we will. Um, but at the same time, we know this is a very difficult place to come. Um, we'll feel very good and strong and, and we'll make sure we're prepared and we go with everything into that match. Absolutely, we want to continue to go in the competition. It's important for us this season. And Matteo Polisi, obviously, was with you for two years. He had a little trial with Valor and it didn't quite work out pre-season, came back to haunt them. You obviously know what he's like as a player. What kind of threat can Matteo be for, for a team? You're going to be on the other end of that now. Yeah, I mean, he's he he took his chances really well. He finds good spaces in the box. We know that about Mateo. Um, but honestly, we'll be very very much focused on ourselves and wanting to 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 really um, put pressure on them, and and we want to control and dictate that match. So um, we'll we'll be mindful of Mateo. Absolutely, we know him very very well. But uh, you know, we we also have many players that we can can really really use going at them going forward towards them. So we'll focus on ourselves. Pacific FC head coach James Merriman there just chatting about the upcoming quarterfinal, the BC Derby, another BC Derby. Pacific, take on TSS Rovers, get there if you can, go and cheer on the lads. If you're on the island and you just want to take in a great game of football, Let's try and pack the stands in this and, and get a good crowd out for what should hopefully be a fantastic occasion. So that is our Canadian Championship Roundup. It's not it, though, for our TSS chat, as I sit down with a very happy, very hungover and very excited TSS Rovers head coach, Will Cromack. And we will be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Matteo Puzzi, and you're listening to the AFTN Show.
welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's another song from our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of April. One of the final two songs we're going to bring you from them. That is American band Sparks, the brothers Ron and Russell Mayo. And that is their fourth single, taken from their third album, Kimono My House, released in 1974, and that was Amateur Hour. And I thought that was a very apt song to bring you, since we've been talking about TSS Rovers in the first part. We're going to talk a little bit more about them in this part. And a a lot has been made. TSS Rovers, the first semi-pro club to knock out a professional team in the Canadian Championship. I mean, that is all factually accurate, but you can actually take it a little bit stage further, though, because TSS don't actually pay any of their players. They are an amateur club. So I guess it was amateur hour, or even an amateur 90 minutes on Wednesday night against Valor, and the amateurs came to the fore and got the job done. The man, of course, that led the way, standing on the touchline, in his white jacket, Will Cromack. And for those of you that don't know, Will led TSS Rovers to that League One BC Championship last August. At the end of that month, him and his family moved east, relocated. They're now living in Ontario. Will is involved with FC London out there. But he wanted to finish the job that he started by seeing this TSS Rovers side all the way through to their first ever Canadian Championship campaign. So he came back for that first game against Valor, committed to come back for all the matches that they might play in this year's tournament. Hopefully there's another three to come. But a fantastic occasion for Will on Wednesday night. Been involved with TSS Rovers for a very, very long time. I've known Will since they they started doing things even before their USL days in 2017. You can imagine how cock-a-hoop he was after that win on Wednesday. Didn't want to speak to him after the game. Wanted him to kind of digest it a little bit. Gave him the Thursday off because I knew he was going to be a little bit hungover. So I sat down with Will on Friday morning just to chat about that win over Valor. What's next for TSS Rovers? And what's next for Will Cromack? So go stick the kettle on, grab your biscuit of choice, sit back and enjoy the first of our two feature interviews in this episode. I guess you could even say three if you count the Malcolm Johnson one in the first part. Here's Will Cromack. So absolutely delighted now to be joined by one of the men of the hour, TSS Rovers head coach Will Cromack. You know him from listening to the show and all the stuff that we do. Will, has it sunk in yet? We're recording this on Friday. Has it sunk in yet? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you know, yesterday was uh, sore heads uh, all around. Um, Might have celebrated harder than expected. Did uh yeah, I mean, you know, getting I I think I just told you off air, you know, 
I had over 800 messages. I haven't even got to social media yet. Uh, it's been a phenomenal response. And um, yeah, I mean, we're in the quarterfinals of the Canadian Championship. Like, it's incredible. I'm not sure if it's sunk in, but it's still incredible. Yeah, I mean, both our voices are are still away to shit, as people <laughs> listening to this can, can clearly hear. Yeah. I mean, the way that the game played out, it, it was kind of nice for me, because obviously I'm usually commentating on the game, so I've kind of got to be impartial, and I can't lose it too much. Although Terry Dunfield, that didn't stop him enjoying the moment on the... <laughs> And the one soccer stream, which was fantastic to to listen back to. It was nice to to take it in and soak it in and enjoy it for me. Could could you enjoy any of it during that 90-odd minutes? No, not one minute. I enjoy it, obviously. You know, like every game, you enjoy it when a goal goes in. Those are the bursts of moments. But, you know, uh, I, I think I remember watching Mourinho in a Champions League game after scored running down and you know, grabbing John Terry by the the hair and telling him what he wanted to do next tactically. Um, and that's how you kind of, you know, that's, that's the growth. That's the growth for us as coaches and, and players and in the moment, uh, get out of that moment and get onto the next place. So no, you don't, you don't enjoy it. And I, and I have great empathy for these guys that, that, that get dragged to and from as, as big managers in the world, um, you know, uh, or in media, they're before, after, it, it's hard to enjoy it. It really is. And, um, but you feel delighted for the guys and um, you, you feel like they, you know, earn their shot and there's their, their moment in the sun, um, so to speak. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's really difficult to enjoy it because you're constantly thinking like, I got to get to that 98th minute. Yeah. And like, I, I was, I was heading down to, to pitch to sort out all the post game stuff just as the penalty got awarded. And I was like, I looked at the clock and I was like, shit. Because I've, I've seen cup comebacks and it's like, it just takes a goal to all suddenly like start questioning things in the players' minds of, oh, are we going to hold on? What's going to happen? When it went to yeah. 3-1, it's like, what was your message to the team at that point? Well, you know, at that point, we 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 kind of dug in and we, you know, it was a little bit against the run of what were our, you know, where the chances were coming it was quite even at that point the match we we were starting to see out minute by minute um we we certainly were starting to talk about should we put some bigger bodies on we knew the balls were going to start getting launched in you know and that's not by style of play that's by um you know game moments if you will you know sometimes a cup game and you're trying to catch up you're going to throw the ball in the box more see if you can create some chaos you got some big bodies in there i mean chandler is an absolute mountain of a human right like some of these guys are just huge right so um but you know i i watched danilo out there um you know managing it i watched uh you know c-mac and uh police and i was looking at them to see if there was any kind of panic because they would be the the, the cultural um, feeling of the rest of the team, and they and they just looked like after that game, it was just like, no, let's go, we got this. Like, just dig back in. We still got a two goal lead. Um, n- never once did I think that they didn't have it in that moment. Otherwise, I would have started making changes just to freshen up. Um, but yeah, no, I felt I felt like they had it. Um, was I worried? A hundred percent. Like, we started talking about you know things we might need to do. Um, but eight minutes became seven minutes, became six, became five. 
um, you know, yelling at the ref to see if we can get a two minute, two minutes extra time, not, not five uh, or six <laughs> as it was added. But uh, yeah, I felt like, I felt like I, I made me feel moderately more calm because I, he, I just felt like he in that moment was leading the back four and, and that felt good um, for what we needed to have happen. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about the defence because obviously so much has been made of the goals and Matteo and just the, the attack and play. But for me, that defence and I, I, I don't want I don't like singling folk out because it was a big team performance. That whole back four were immense and Justin didn't have a, a lot to do but what he did have to do, he dealt with fairly well. But that centre-back pairing, Danilo and Nick, oh boy, you could tell the class out there. Yeah, you know, I mean, again, not singling anybody out because you could take every one of them that was on the pitch and and, and say something very positive. Uh, obviously, results shine some of those moments up as well, right? But uh, we told the guys, uh, we told the coaching staff, like, the sun has to shine, the event has to be running well, the operations have to be perfect. The game plan has to work. The day has to be perfect. And each one of them that go on the pitch over the white line have to show up with the best game um, they they may have had in their lives um, for this to go the right way. And, you, you know, without sort of using the word perfect over the top, like it worked. Like everybody there Nico Papake, like mm-hmm. Nick, Danilo, Justin, Fugo on the on his offside, like unbelievable. But the two boys in front of them, Kyle and and uh, Ali, off the ball were ridiculous. The screening, the yes. tackling, the making sure it didn't get through to them. So all of that matters. And I think if you really look at the game um, with a critical eye, you see the value that someone like Connor McMillan um, brings to the table because the amount of pressure and influence he had on the ball. And that's the biggest run role in, in, on the team um, was, I mean, the amount of miles insane. We don't have any tracking because we're not in that level of, um, you know, echelon of cash, uh, cash rich clubs to get that sort of stuff. But like the running, the pressuring, the center backs, Edwardson off the ball. Oh yeah. Uh, Ivan, you know, I've, you got to talk about Ivan, like, like Ivan's history has been, I'm a, I'm a, a man with the ball, you know, I can nutmeg a mermaid, uh, but the work he put off the ball, that's the kind of stuff that made the back four uh, seem like they had um, more time, more capacity, more ability to attack the ball, and um, yeah, so I, I, I care most about that because that's that's proof that they're playing for each other, and um, you know, yeah, the goals are fantastic and amazing way to you have to get them to win the game, but man, that that was a performance um, off the ball that I think um, I'll be most proud of for when I look back in ten years. Oh. I mean, to, to a man, that, that team battled out there. And yeah, I, I also I want to just give a, a hat tip as well to Ali, Kyle and Connor because like, I've watched Ali and Kyle play for so many years coming through the Whitecaps Academy. They were playing like men possessed out there and it was just fantastic to see. I, I've got one last thing I want to ask you, 
just about around the game and then kind of move on to to some other stuff. At half time, when you went in with that two goal lead, it was probably beyond your wildest dreams from when you you went to bed the night before. What was that half time dressing room like? And like, what what on earth could you say to the guys at that point? Well, it's funny. Um, you know, you have to coach the moment. You have to coach what's in front of you. This is what they tell you kind of in your first ever courses and your first ever experiences in coaching, whether it's six-year-olds or, you know, 35-year-olds, coach what's in front of you and not what you're thinking you're supposed to coach. Um, so we left them. We left them for a good five minutes. We, we just let them sit in there, um, talk to each other, uh, kind of get that, like, excitement out of their system, mm. you know, drink, hydrate, all the stuff that needed. Because um, you can get too high. Oh, yeah. Like you, you begin playing the moment so much more than playing the game. Um, as coaches, we went in uh, under under the sort of scaffolding there and, and um, looked at some clips. And really, at the end, we, we told them that they almost exactly what we told them at the beginning. Like, nothing needs to change on our end. What's going to change, though, is them and what they might end up uh, doing. They might end up getting more guys on, which – you know, they made three subs. They might get um, more aggressive. They might get more frustrated. They might so dig in, back each other up, um, and just essentially go, if it's five minutes or 19 minutes, give everything you got and we'll make uh, changes as we see fit. But do what you were doing and be very um, – don't change anything at this point because there's no reason to. And so it was, a real, it was quite a calm message. And I think the boys got, um, uh, you know, got that excitement out of themselves and said, okay, you know, this is a CPL team. We're not, you know, they can come back. So let's go out and just keep doing. Uh, I did emphasize that I didn't think we should, uh, North American lexicon is to play prevent defense. And I said, personally, like, guys, just keep attacking. Because that's a form of defense yeah. um, that I think will suit, suit you better as the size you are, um, you know, the Kyles and the alleys of the world that you just mentioned. If you keep attacking, you won't have to, you know, essentially run as much, if you will. And uh, and they did. You know, that's what they're that's what they're kind of built like is attack a bit. And so, yeah, and that's that's that was our message at halftime. And it, and it um, seemed to seem to galvanize the guys one more and they went again. Yeah, they, they certainly did. Now. Moving on from from the game, and we'll talk about Pacific in in a sec. But my cursory quick look at the the starting lineup, I think Ivan was probably the youngest guy for us at uh, twenty two. Uh, twenty one. Ah, all right, okay. So you look at that, and the bulk of the team then is like a bit older, and. Yep. You look at these guys, and we've talked about it a lot before. You talked about it in the press conference after. A lot of these guys have been overlooked by, by CPL teams, and I, I won't specifically single out Vancouver FC, but anyone that's listened to the show know my feelings on the lack of local talent on that team. You don't have to comment on that. You have to keep your nice... <laughs> you have to keep everything nice. But just in, in, in general... Guys are, seem to be getting told when they hit 23, oh, no, sorry, we, we don't want to have a look at you because you're too old for us. But those guys showed why it's important 
to have those older players in the team, I feel. Yep. I, you know, listen, like in, in the rules, sort of, we, we would say um, we're always trying to emulate a pro team, you know, everything we operate in, you know, from, from engaging people like yourself, Mike, to help us on the media side, to coaching staff, to operations staff, to, to playing staff. So, you know, having a few quote unquote veterans um, that are those coaches on the field, Eric Edwardson, C-Mac, um, they might have chips on their shoulder about not being selected, but, but they are quite clear. Um, they're doing their part and um, it's just hard, right? Like there's eight teams, um, well, 11, if you, if you count the MLS teams, um, it's just difficult to be picked, but put yourself in the shop window yeah. and do everything you can. I know there's USL teams. There's, there's teams all around the world. There's possibilities. COVID didn't help some of these guys. Um, we, we talk to some of them and we say, listen, I mean, one of my first ever experiences that uh, I was, I went to world cup in 1990 and, uh, uh, a little lad named Salvatore Scalacci, uh, won the golden boot, uh, didn't get picked for till he was 28, 29, uh, was a tradesman, uh, still, you know, doing his Italian league one thing, uh, got picked, went up the rungs, Ended up on the World Cup team uh, um, for no small country in the sense of World Cup achievements, and uh, you know won that Golden Boot. There's there's loads of guys out there, Vardy, Ian Wright, uh, that are littered uh, with just keep plugging away, just be you, show up, show up, show up, show up. And and for me, I say to the guys like, listen, if someone just taps you on the shoulder and says, play the rest of the year out um, for us. You earn a contract if you want or not, um, but you can still say you did it uh, and then come back to your day jobs and your rest of your life. And so just keep thinking that someone might pick you because, you know, there's a bunch of guys that were on that pitch uh, that can easily be in a 26 man squad yeah. uh, of a CPL team, um, even if they're the 26th and they can earn themselves into s- some minutes uh, in the eleven. And I don't think that they would um, take the quality or the level down. So for me, um, our job is just to say, here's the opportunity in front of you. Uh, you go take it. And I mean, we all watched. Like they did. And I think that they proved um, there's the possibility still exists for them to go out and, and be tapped on the shoulder. What I also would say is, um, yeah, there's no shortage of people that might come and buy tickets if they have one of their own uh, in the squad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, I think the way to get people excited, and you look around CPL, and they've made a big deal about the opening weekend, the crowds were up, but you look around last season and stuff, and the crowds did dwindle. You look at the Pacific Cavalry game in the Canadian Championship last night, and that was a a really poor crowd out for their so, like when you have local guys and stuff, I think it adds a little bit more interest. Talking of crowds, that crowd at Swanguard, I mean, I think officially it's over 1,600 tickets sold, but then with all the, the freebies and stuff and groups that were coming on top of that, there was over 2,000 there, I feel. I mean, to to have captured... But I know that we, I know that we gave away, uh, I think, almost 400 tickets to youth groups 
So it was most definitely over 2000. I would yeah. think it's pushing 2,500. And, and I mean, again, because of the layer we are, we, <laughs> the moms that we love so dearly are running around trying to sell the tickets and take the tickets. So it was probably the most difficult area than, uh, than maybe being in the center midfield of, uh, of the game itself. So, um, you know, we, we appreciate them so much, but I think, yeah, I think we're pushing 2,500 in that, in that stadium and it, it made it look good. Oh, I mean, the sound, like there was TSS chance, there was Rovers chance, but I mean, I, I would imagine, well, I was going to say, I imagine you looked up, well, you did because you were encouraging the crowd at one point towards the end, but when you looked yeah. up and you saw what your little club had done, not just on the pitch, but off it, because we, we know about the share issue, we know about this when Guardians, but to see a stand packed like that, how did that make you feel? Well, I mean, I think we, we as owners and, and operators walked into that game, uh, you know, hopeful that there'd be some walk-ups because we were a little disappointed. Uh, it's a really tribal country. It's a really tribal city. Um, if you play for that club, you don't go support. Why, what about, you know, we're not going to support those guys. But I think what ended up happening is, um, y- you know, we we proved operationally that this was worth it and we we kept pushing and we kept pushing and i think people just got interested in and came and i think again you know no no small feat it's a one off event uh all the guys that were playing um they brought friends and family and and that kind of made it something i i have nothing but empathy for these cpl teams that have to put a midweek game on in a country that's not culturally kind of understanding that you know you can go saturday wednesday saturday wednesday like mm-hmm. all the way through whereas you know you can go to the uk and that's an expectation and understanding oh we're in a, another big competition so it's difficult right um but on a one-off event like that even though it was midweek i was i was really relieved is the word operationally that people showed up to see it and then you know we didn't expect what we saw, felt, and heard, um, that just happened because there was an op, you know, because the opportunity presented itself, and then everybody got together as, as one, if you will, because um, they were there. Yeah, for me, midweek cup games under the lights are a special part of me growing up watching and loving football, and it's yeah. nice to still have that over here. And we've got another one coming up in a couple of weeks. It's a BC derby. Yeah, I, I spoke to James Merriman after the Vancouver game at the weekend, and we're joking. Oh, uh, BC's still purple. BC's going to be red and black soon. I think is the feeling of many people. But obviously, oh, folk are God. folk are riding the crest of the wave now. And I think, with all respect to Valor, Pacific FC are a, a much different proposition. Plus, you're travelling away from home. I, I think. In some ways, it would have been nice to have cavalry, so we had the old Tommy Foothills TSS rivalry rekindled. I mean, that would have been kind of magical, really. But a BC Derby is special. Watching that game last night, seeing it was Pacific, how are you you feeling going into this? Um. So, so I, I agree with all those stories. Like, they're stories. Like, I've never been a part of them. I'm looking... You know, I'm an outside guy looking in going, yeah, those are cool stories. You know, Vancouver now gets to play Pacific, oh, Calgary. 
I remember playing them in the Northwest Division. Um, you know, we had a special guest at our, our Canada Championship game, which was the Lane United owner. Uh, Dave Gallus was up, he drove up from Eugene to watch. Um, you know, so so I do have some special memories from that time. Uh, Tommy sent us well wishes, etc. Like, so we still talk to some of those guys uh, um, irregularly, but we talk to them. But now we're in it. Um, I'm going to think with two, two lenses. One is, one is the club. Um, can we get some Swan guardians and families and, and take the night off training and get on a ferry and go over there and, um, you know, maybe help Pacific sell a few tickets so that that helps, uh, helps them, uh, have a good night, have a, have an environment. We, we, we've always said as a club, like we're celebrating, um, the achievement of being, uh, allowed in, of the growth of the game with the people that care about the game, which is, you know, people who have been on the ground for years and years, just coaching and, and playing and building clubs, whatever that club is. So we're, we're really, really excited about the access and the the openness of the competition. And then as a coach, uh, it's, it's a, it's an absolute nightmare. Um, there's no team of those two teams that I want to choose. I want them both to lose. Um, they're, they're like, you know, Didich and Ongaro and Manny Aparicio is like maybe the best player in the league. Um, or he's certainly in that conversation. You're talking about uh, quality on, you know, both ends with and without the ball, talking about a home match for them. Um, so, you know, am I going to tell the guys they can't go do it? Of course not. Uh, but, you know, we, we know who we are. We, we aren't getting caught up in Twitter comments. Um, we're saying we have to have a plan. We have to go into it. We have to do our best um, to give ourselves another chance to be seen as um, players uh, that should be picked. And so that'll be the message one more time. Dig in, show what you got. And maybe you're the guy when an injury comes up in the uh, CPL that uh, gets tapped on the shoulder. Yeah. I have two last things to ask you. We've talked about players possibly <clears throat> moving on. And it's like, who knows if this team that was on the pitch for this first game is going to be even with the, the squad for, for this second game. Y you hope some of them, selfishly, I want to keep everyone till our run's finished. But... Yep. We obviously want them all to move on and, and do well. And if they can get clubs and, and move on, so be it. But for you, there's been a lot of attention on you. You play things down. A, a lot of people in the online Canadian soccer community, they, they see you as like a, a character, someone with personality. And I've known you for years and this is just you. You're like this on, off the pitch, in front of the camera, not on the camera. <laughs> you, you are who you are. But obviously... You've done your your licenses. You, yeah. You're ambitious. You're a coach. For people that may not know, you've moved to to Ontario for for your day job for a, a new project working with with youth out there. But there's been a lot of scuttlebutt about you about oh, uh, maybe he could be the next York manager if Nashi moves on or all, all this stuff. What what's your ambitions? Would you like? to be a CPL manager? That's maybe a stupid question. Let me rephrase that. What, what, what are, obviously, you would love to be, but like, what is your ambitions going forward? Are you looking that this is a chance to put yourself in the shop window too? 
I don't, I don't look at it that way. I don't, I don't approach it that way. I'm a, I'm a player developer. I'm a, you know, hopefully known as that, or hopefully known as a person developer and uh, um, a club developer. And, and, you know, when I first worked with Colin after many years of just being friends and teammates, um, we said, let's go build something because who's going to call us anyways. Uh, um, we'll build something. We'll, we'll try to be a solution. Um, we'll try to create an environment that uh, helps kids take the next step in our own country, in our, you know, in a place where we need to develop players. So um, listen, the weirdest things happen when you, when you do well, uh, like I said, I have, I don't have 800 friends, Mike. I know that sounds interesting uh, to you, but I have that many messages and uh, and more. So people are taking notice. Uh, that's great. It's because of what the, the boys did. Uh, it's because of the environment that the club built. And um, I think we need more of those across the, across the nation. So happy to help. Happy to help anybody uh, with ideas, observations, thoughts. And, um, you know, should the opportunity ever come to coach a team uh, elsewhere, I, I won't say I won't listen, um, but, you know, I don't know that that will ever come. And so I'll just keep plugging away and keep doing what I do. You might want to check these messages because there could be a message in there going, hey, we'd like to talk to you about a job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You find out that some club in England has got CRA. in touch. <laughs> Probably the CRA looking for my taxes. <laughs> right, last thing, and then I'll let you go because I know you're flying back to Ontario to see your family for a week, and you deserve this rest. And the next match for for TSS is is League One. It's the League One season starts next weekend, and it that that's your bread and butter as a club uh, is League One. You're obviously going to be the team now that everyone is wanting to knock off, partly as champions, partly because of this. Darren Rusher's taken over for the League One B season as, as head coach. Just speak a little bit about Darren taking over and just about this upcoming League One season for the club. Yep. Uh, great, great uh, question there, Mike. Um, so, so critical, sent a message to the boys today. Um, talk to some of them individually, uh, talk to Chelsea, uh, our women's head coach and a big part of our uh, success as a coaching group um, for the men. And what I said was no pro coach in the world is looking at someone because they had a good game. They'll, they'll pay attention for a moment, but if you have another one and another one and another one and another one, you become a player that they can trust and they may call you. You cannot go in to the first match and then not perform at the same or better standard than you just set out. Whatever the player is, whether that's, uh, you know, number 25, number one, it doesn't matter. Whoever is on that park has to set, the bar has to be um, at the level we just came off of. So that's number one. Consistency creates pros. Uh, consistency creates the opportunity for them to get picked. And Darren is a TSS guy. A great story is, you know, Darren and I were co-coaches on a U11 team nearly 10 years ago. And so we've been in this together 
we've been up and down the coast in minivans, uh, broken down buses. We've wa- we've watched you know ass kickings, and we've uh, been a part of getting our asses kicked. Um, but each and every step of the way, he knows what to do. <clears throat> he knows the style of play that we play. He knows the players. He's been a dad, uh, is a dad, should I say. So that takes, you know, sometimes this is parenting, sometimes this is teaching, sometimes this is coaching. Um, he's ready. And uh, and I know he's not going to let the, the, the club down. Um, if anything, his, his consistency is he's always there. He's always there. Uh, balls pumped up, ready to go. And um, I think his most interesting challenge, and it's probably one I haven't haven't felt um, with this group, is that um, it's going to be slightly different being the guys that have the target on your back. And how do you how do you address that? How do you go in as the as the you know the Man United uh, um, of this little division? So I think I think it's good, um, and I think it's going to be uh, interesting to watch. And I'll be there. Uh, taking a step upstairs into the uh, working with Colin and and Brandon on the sporting director and operation side to keep it rolling for those guys. Hey, jump in the commentary with us if you want as well. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Terry can jump over there. Thank you for your time. I know you've been super busy. I wanted to to wait until after the Pacific game just so we knew who we had in the next round. But go home, enjoy spending that time with your family because. There's still three more games to come for you as head coach here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be there, my friend. We'll be there with bells on, ready to go, in our white jackets, ready to rumble. Awesome. Cheers, Willie. Cheers, mate. Great stuff, as always, there from Will Cromack. He's got at least one more game in charge of TSS as they head to the island on May 10th to take on Pacific FC. Is there more in store? We certainly hope there will be. But that is it for our kind of main TSS chat. But we're going to keep the, the League One chat going. Because I also sat down last week with League One Commissioner Dino Rossi just to chat about the Rover success the growth of League One across Canada and the future expansion plans. We'll be back with all of that after this. Hey gang, it's Will Cromack from the mighty TSS Rovers and you're listening to the AFTN podcast. They're on the ground, looking for you. I'll show them what you look like, tell them what you do. They're on the ground, I'll give them the info. Down from the train station to the square. They'll think around what you're gonna do. They're on the ground and they're gonna check you. They'll think around what you're gonna say. This ain't a game for everybody. I'm on the ground, what you want me to do? I said I want up, did it go through? You want to I recognise his face from fucking Twitter Then think around what you're gonna do They're on the ground and they're gonna check you Then think around what you're gonna say This ain't a game for everybody Now, 
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's a former Artist of the Month here at AFTN from England, Sleaford Mods. That's a song from their latest album released this year, UK Grim, that was On the Ground. And I went to see Sleaford Mods at the Commodore on Thursday night. That was my post-TSS celebration. And it was a decent enough gig. Really terrible sound quality, I thought, though, on the microphone for lead singer Jason Williamson. It was really hard to make out what he was singing. That's the songs that I know very well as well. And it was a bit difficult, so kind of spoiled the gig a little bit, but still a fun night out. And I, I wanted to pick a Sleaford Mod song, one that we hadn't played before, and I thought, on the ground... That's a, a very apt one as well, because a man that's on the ground when it comes to all things League One is League One Canada Commissioner Dino Rossi. Dino, been very heavily involved in the grassroots side of the game for many, many a year now. Dino led League One Ontario since its launch in 2014. He served as the commissioner for its first seven years, then was appointed executive chairman in April 2021. He's going to continue to serve as the chairman of the board of directors for League One Ontario. But in May 2022, Canadian soccer business appointed Dino Rossi as president of League One Canada, the newly established national alliance of Canada's existing provisional Division Three Pro-Am men's and women's soccer leagues. So that covered League One BC, League One Ontario, and what was then the PLSQ, Premier League de Soccer du Québec, it's now been rebranded just last week as League One Quebec. And there's big plans for League One to grow the game across Canada at this level. There's going to be a, an exhibition series this summer in Alberta, which is the precursor to having a League One Alberta in 2024. League One Atlantic, they've had exploratory talks on that as well. People's looking for League One Prairies to possibly start. So I got a chance to sit down with Dino on Thursday. And we, we talked all about the, the current growth of the league, the future expansion plans. And of course, we had to ask what he thought of the three League One sides as they were in action in the Canadian Championship this week. So again, go stick the kettle on. Grab another biscuit of choice because you are worth it. Sit back and enjoy our chat with League One Canada President Dino Rossi. So absolutely delighted now to welcome onto the show for what I think is the, f- the first time League One Canada Commissioner and a man that's been very involved with the League One side of things and the local smaller clubs across Canada for many years now. Welcome Dino Rossi. Well, thank you, Michael. Thank you for having me. Yes, it is my first time. You're right. Yeah, well, I wanted to chat to you for ages. I don't know why we, we haven't got you on the show. And we'd arranged this before all the Canadian Championship games, but I'd arranged it with the hope that we would have some maybe positive stuff to talk about from the, the three teams involved. And, oh boy, do, do we have some stuff to talk about? But 
we won't get into the specifics of TSS just yet. What did you make of the showing of, of the three League One sides? And maybe just talk a little bit just off the bat about the importance of getting these teams into a national competition like this against pro clubs where you've got eyes on the teams, eyes on the league that you wouldn't normally have. You gave me a little bit of chills even just thinking about the fact that we had these three teams playing in in this game, in these games uh, this week. Um, so to answer sort of your first, second question first, uh, uh, when the opportunity came uh, around uh, 2016 or so, uh, the, com- the conversation began in earnest um, with uh, Victor Montaliani, Peter Montopoli, and... Um, at Canada Soccer, the the you know the excitement was huge because we we knew and our friends in Quebec at the time knew that we needed something a carrot something that would that would be an extra motivator. Why do we why do we why do we do this? We, you know, yes, winning a league is is very important and 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 it's and it's very motivating. But that opportunity to play at that next level uh, and the next level was obviously a lot smaller. Uh, back then, right? Um, just the three MLS teams and a couple of USL teams, and, and, and then there was the, our, our two teams. Um, but to see it now grow and to incorporate British Columbia, to see the leagues themselves, like League One Ontario has grown so much mm-hmm. since since that first year that uh, that we were in. And we that I think it was Blue Devils, if I'm not mistaken, where the our first uh, our first participant, was, yeah. yeah. I remember it was a very windy day, um, and um, and you know, so much has changed. The, the the PLSQ is now League One Quebec, right? That's amazing as of yesterday, and uh, and it's grown a lot, and the quality has grown tremendously. And then we finally got a league in British Columbia, and so now largest provinces are 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 represented. And, and, and we have the champions playing in these games. And to be able to watch, I, you know, I drove to Montreal to watch Vaughn. Uh, at the same time, I had my cell phone uh, running the, 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 the Forge Laval game. Um, you know, they put up a good fight. Laval had an unbelievable chance to, to get a goal early, didn't get it. Vaughn had a great chance to get a goal early, unfortunately didn't get it. But both teams, I thought, against two, you know, two very good teams. Uh, Montreal might be struggling, but that's a, a, a very good side. And Forge is, you know, three-time champions of the CPL, and their their record speaks for themselves. So um, to do as to, to to be as competitive, to put up a great fight, um, is 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 something to be very proud of. And I'm sure both clubs, I know for sure, the staff and the players at Vaughn felt they could have done more. Um, and that's good. It's good that they feel that way because it, they're not just happy to be there. They wanted to show something. I didn't have a chance yet to talk to the leadership at, at Laval, but I'm sure they were disappointed. And yet on some level, probably proud of themselves, but wanted to do better. And again, that's great. That is the, the the spirit that you want. And then there's our friends uh, who, who who pulled off, uh, you know, the, the "Do you believe in miracles?" moment last night in um, uh, at Swangard. 
uh, I was lucky enough in 2019 to watch Vaughn beat HFX at, at their grounds, uh, but it definitely wasn't quite the, uh, the, 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 the dominating performance that we saw last night. That was something else. Um, and uh, I'm just so thrilled for Colin and for Will and for all those players, the fans. It was a great-looking crowd last night there, made a lot of noise. Uh, that was just so rewarding. I, I'm, I, was, I was buzzing last night. I had a hard time. I'm a little tired today as a result. Oh, yeah. I mean, my voice is still feeling the effects. When the second goal went in, like, it, the, the press box, it was more used for just, like, staff and stuff. We didn't have a lot of media in there just because of space restrictions. So it wasn't your normal, please be respectful, people are working press box. When that second goal went in, the press box just erupted, which is when my voice went. <laughs> and it hasn't come back since. Hosting the post-game press conference was interesting as I was squeaking my way through it. But I mean, it, it was some night. We think there was over 2,000 there. We'd sold over 1,600 tickets and then there was like all the free tickets that had gone to different youth groups and sponsors and stuff as well. But it just, from about five minutes before kickoff, it looked fairly busy. And then I looked 10 minutes into the game, I was like, oh boy, this place is absolutely packed. And we had chants of like TSS and like Rovers and it's stuff that I'm not used to hearing just from... Just the, the the general kind of fans that turn up. Obviously, the folk behind the goal are, are very good. So I, we won't dwell too too much on on TSS though in our charts. I've got a lot of other stuff to to talk to you about. But getting that first, I was going to say the first win. Obviously, got Vaughn got the first win. But getting the first team to advance. I mean, from a League One perspective, and what you're trying to do to grow this league and get more teams involved and get into more provinces. This must make it a bit of an easier selfie as well to get this buy-in. Oh, uh, uh, certainly will be. Logic logic would tell you that it will. Um, the buy-in is already quite strong, Michael. Uh, mm. You know, I just came back a few weeks ago from Atlantic Canada where we did presentations in Halifax and in Moncton to big crowds and really enthusiastic people um, who have been following up and, and we're moving that process forward uh, working together with the four provincial soccer associations uh, and, and it's clear this there's an appetite for this um, and I've been you know it's I, I'm not a, I'm not a gray beard where I've been here 50 years 40 years you know uh, fighting the fight for the for, for senior football uh, it's been about 15 16 years or so um, but the attitude has changed so much and it, it you know, yes, I think some of the work we've done has changed um, people's point of view. I think there's a lot of other factors, the sustained success of the three MLS clubs, the emergence of of, of the CPL and how well it, it's doing, um, the, the, you know, the, the, the prospect of professional women's football uh, in this country. Um, our national teams are, are good. You know, all of these factors... Uh, and you see players who come from our level of play have success at those levels. Mm -hmm. So that only reinforces that um, an argument that I've made for a very long time, which I can't say is an original idea of mine because some people that I have a lot of respect for said it over and over again. So I've co-opted it, but it's never been about talent in this country. It's been about opportunity. And yes. so we are at our level creating that bridge 
from high performance youth soccer, which so many of our provinces are doing a really great job at improving the standard of training, uh, the, 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 the standards around competition, uh, education, and that's from Canada soccer all the way down, you know, pushing it down to the PSOs, pushing it down into the clubs, and everybody's bought, in, bought, it, bought into the vision. And, but then, you know, it's great to train youth players to a certain step, but you need that transition. So we've come on the scene at the right time and incrementally we're growing this. I'm so excited that there's going to be an exhibition series in Alberta. I'm yeah. so hopeful that that converts into a full-on league next year. Uh, and and we're, we want to be able to help them any way we can because that's another big province that that will benefit. And, you know, the CPL clubs in that province will benefit. And, and it'll just, it, it's a snowball effect. All that to say is th- this is a great time for Canadian football. Really great time. Uh, and we're really proud that we play a, a small but important part of the, the bigger landscape. Um, and uh, I just can't wait to see where we're at if we reconvene here in five years from now and talk about what, uh, what has been achieved. Uh, over the next five years. I think it's going to be a lot. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that that's the thing. Like, there's a lot to be excited about. I'm Because I, I love this level of, of football. I go out on the weekends and stand in a park filming VMSL games just because I enjoy it. And to me, it's just pure football. And then League One's obviously a little step up from that. But of all the things that's happening, it, it's what's happening in League One, I think, that really... It, it just you talked about getting like tingles and shivers when you're talking about stuff. That's what excites me because we've seen what's happened uh, in BC here, and I feel we're just scratching the surface here. And there's a a lot of people I know that are keen to get involved now, and some people that want to invest into to clubs for for next year or or wherever. I w- want to talk about the two things that you mentioned there. First of all, Alberta. Now. Obviously, the CPL had lost Edmonton, so right away there's a big chunk of that province that's lost a team to support. But this exhibition series, the clubs that are involved in it, Foothills, Edmonton Scottish, BTB Academy, who I love and I've kind of followed their story a little bit over the last year or so and had the pleasure in commentating on their under-17 team in the, the Nationals just last year when they were here. It, it's such an exciting time. And it, it's always been a province... Like, I look at the Whitecaps Academy, and for, for whatever reason, BC wasn't producing the players that they maybe could have. But the players that were coming in from Alberta were incredible. And you just have to look at, like, Alfonso Davies, who I know has got a little bit of ties with, with BTB as well. Having a strong Alberta, but not even not just that, but also the Prairies. Like, would you ideally like to see a Prairies... League One that incorporated Saskatchewan, maybe Manitoba as well, or would you like a League One in each of those provinces moving forward? And I know we're maybe talking a, a good few years down the road. Uh, no, I don't think. I mean, uh, the presentations I make are not like embargoed anything or anything like that. We have very clearly a map that shows where we where we intend to grow. Twenty twenty three, Alberta is is coming online. Uh, yes, it's an exhibition series, but it's coming online. 2024, our, we are very focused on Atlantic Canada. And in 2025, right now, if uh, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, 
and also incorporating Northwestern Ontario into that piece, you know, with yeah. the Thunder Bay Chill program mm-hmm. that is, 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 is very good and has got a lot of, a lot of history. They're champions. They're great people up there. That to me is the, is that last step that we have to, to, to cross. And I, I'm totally 100% bought in to making it happen and we're going to do whatever it takes. Um, and how that ends up working with Alberta, we'll see. Let's figure that out. I don't, I don't, as a general rule, I don't like to prescribe how things are going to be. Every region, you know, I'm from Ontario. I know our landscape very well. I'm learning about all the different parts of the country and how things are somewhat uniquely different everywhere. Uh, you know, PEI. There's a, there's groups in PEI are super excited. Well, PEI is smaller than some of the, the towns that are, you know, population wise, some of the towns that we have in, in, in League One Ontario. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be in this and shouldn't be excited and, and, and can do something great. They can. And the same thing is, you know, it, so we have to figure out how we're going to make the prairies piece work, but we're going to do it as humble cooperators with, uh, with our partners out there work with the provinces, work with the clubs, figure out the best structure, but we're going to do it. Like there, there's no ifs, ands, or what. We're, we're going to do it. We're going to, it's so important. The players there deserve the same chance. And uh, I can tell you when I, uh, every now and then I have a little free time and I, I pull up the registration database uh, for League One Ontario, how many players are coming from the prairies mm. uh, to Ontario. Our clubs are showing a little bit more ambition. They're hosting players. They're housing them. Um, and and you have some amazing talent. Like our female goalkeeper of the year last year came from Saskatchewan. She was outstanding. Uh, we have a lot of players who are coming from uh, the Atlantic Canada. Uh, it, it, there's, but, you know, it'd be nice for them to be able to play at home and, uh, uh, and, and be able to play in front of mom and dad instead of spending the whole summer away, right? Yeah. Be able to play in front of their friends. We need to create that. We need to build capacity in all those provinces. There are people who want to coach. There are people who want to referee. There are people who want to be administrators. There's people like yourself, Michael, who want to film and and, uh, and 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 do play-by-play or do commentary. You know, and how do we make that possible? We make it possible by building these kinds of structures and, 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 and create opportunity and it, it, good things will fall. We have to build it. You know, that old, they will, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Um, but we have to build it together and we have to build it in a respectful way uh, that, yeah, I, that takes into account the realities. I always remember speaking to Brett Levi and then Thomas Asar as well about how they had to leave Saskatchewan to, to get their opportunity. And then Brett got a little bit closer before moving on again. But the Atlantic side of things as well, that, that is something that really excites me. For, also for the growth of like Halifax, because now, if this gets off the ground, you've got this pipeline of local players that then hopefully Halifax will be like, well, here's some local guys. And nothing gets people more excited than local guys. You can tell those stories. And if they can, if you can follow their progress, oh, they were in League One Atlanta, Atlantic and then they've moved into Halifax, into the CPL, and then who knows where it, it takes them. I, I think that's exciting. And... For too long, folk have always talked about the the size of Canada being prohibitive. But obviously, we're having the interprovincial championships. I know the BC's hosting it this year. Is the dream goal to have 
as many provinces as possible with League One sides and then having this end of season championship that everyone can take part in. Absolutely. We the, the plan is for the interprovincial championship to incorporate leagues that represent clubs in all 10 provinces. That's it. It's as simple as that. And um, it, it, the champions will will come together. And, and you know, I, I use the reference to the Memorial Cup when I when I present, not because I believe in any short period of time we're going to have a tournament of the stature and the 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 prestige of the the the, the Memorial Cup. You, you don't you don't recreate a hundred years or whatever it is in, in overnight, but it gives you that understanding of what our vision is: is that we we can create something at this level that is important. It is going to crown a national champion. That matters. And, uh, you know, let's say it is TSS. I mean, to be able to bring that cup home to their, their, their community and their fans, the Squan Guardians, and their, you know, and look at how excited they were last night winning oh. one game. Imagine if they win a national championship. Yeah. Uh, I went over to them at half time, and it's like the, the beer was certainly flowing by that point. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. But no, I mean, I've always loved the Challenge Trophy. And I feel it's a very underrated thing in this country. Obviously, there's quality of maybe depth and strength, but obviously League One would help that as well. I spoke to Martin Noonan last week, and we're speaking about CPL expansion, and he spoke about long-term goals for CPL, Div 2, to promote the, the best sides out of League One to form a Div 2 at some point. For something like that to work, and again, this time we are going back to the size of the country, does that need to be regionalised just to make it cost-effective for teams to want to be a part of that? Well, Mark's my boss, so his, uh, <laughs> his, his uh, you know, I don't want to contradict anything that he might have said. I didn't have the pleasure of watching the, the interview yet. Common sense would tell me that uh, that regionalization of a of a second division below the CPL would make a lot of sense. Is it the only way to do it? I don't know if it's the only way to do it, but it is one way to do it. And uh, having a little bit of insight as to what CPL budgets are, travel is a really big line item on a budget. And if you can reduce that line item uh, significantly, so that maybe teams in smaller communities could, can more sustainably uh, operate, and 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 you know their travel might be able to be done mostly by bus as opposed to flights, or you know a, a mix of them. But in the in the CPL right now, I think you have some pretty long flights, and, oh. and 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 that's not inexpensive in this country. We're not blessed with the the $79 flights, right? That oh, no, I, I can fly home cheaper than it. I'd love to go to Newfoundland, but I can fly back to Scotland for the same price. Right, right. So um, we have challenges, but we're also, you know, Canadians and we are a hardy bunch and we've we figured out how to get through our long winters. And I think we can find solutions to these challenges uh, as long as we're uh, open-minded and, uh, you know... Uh, I've mentioned it before, Victor Montaliani speaks often about being uh, football first, right? If you put the game first, uh, good things will come. 
And uh, I, I, I've internalized that. I really believe that. And um, I think if we make if we make the right decisions for football, it'll work. Um, but the, the, this country is ready for an explosion of professional football uh, in bigger communities and smaller communities for men, for women. Um, and our players deserve it. Our players deserve opportunity. Uh, I, I'm so proud of how many League One Ontario players and now League One Quebec and even League One BC players have moved into the CPL, into MLS, have gone abroad. I'm super proud. Like It's almost as if my kids did it, right? I feel um, like that too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know how it feels. Like I, uh, My children don't play, right? So, And I'm not living vicariously through other people's children, but I do feel that pride when when they're achieving their dreams. Even my voice rises a little bit when I talk about it. Um, the, uh, the, the It makes me sad, though, that there's not more opportunities yeah. because I know that there's so many more talented players who at, who are incredibly good at our level and deserve a shot. And we just don't have yet enough platforms, enough stages for them to perform. But that's going to come. And I value Mark's... Uh, Mark Noonan's uh, ambition more than you know. Uh, I, I love that he he's come in uh, thinking about taking big swings because why not? In Canada, we tend to be a little bit overly, you know, inclined to focus on why things can't happen. And he has come in saying, this is what we can do. I, he really believes we can do it. And I believe in him and I believe he's right. So uh, I've had these feelings in, you know, deep inside for years. Um, but we have this, uh, this opportunity now. Um, 2026 is going to be huge for this country uh, in terms of hosting a World Cup. And I want to do as much work as we possibly can over the next couple of years to uh, lay a great foundation that will take us, you know, two, three, four decades and we'll just be growing, and I'll be an old man, and I'll, I'll get to get to watch, you know, maybe a, a twelve or sixteen team first division, and then maybe who knows how many teams in the second division, but actually have a pyramid. And, and oh, I'd and, love like the English non-league pyramid. I love so much, and if we could get anything that emulated that here, it would be so wonderful. I I, I told my wife when I was getting caught up on this is Wrexham. I said I'm I'm so glad that. I, did, I, I purposely didn't want to know how, how they finished the season last year. I kind of didn't go and look on on Google. Oh, and, and I was glad to, I was glad in a way that they didn't get promoted last year because otherwise I think I might have quit the league and started up a club or something like that. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that got me so motivated. But um, that's the dream. You know, for those of us who are bitten by this bug, uh, this is the stuff that you love. And... Um, you know, and it takes us back to last night. That's what we love, mm -hmm. right? Like that, that, that moment, that scene. Uh, it's amazing. It, it takes me back to like when I had my my semi pro club like 12, 13 years ago, and we won our very first game. I don't know if I, other than having my kids, and I'm not I'm not sure there's been too many other moments as exciting as winning that first game when you never you didn't expect anything. And uh, this game brings out so much, so much emotion, and. Uh, it's amazing. It's a beautiful game for a reason. Oh, I think that's a wonderful way to end our chat. I, I feel exactly the same way. I, 
I genuinely, from all my years of watching football, I've been watching football live since 1984. Actually, probably before that, when my granddad took me to just my local non-league team. That's right up there. And definitely top five, maybe even top three of just things I've been through last night with TSS. Just because I know what everyone's been through and how much we've taken to build it. But that's a wonderful way to, to end our chat. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Dino. It's been a pleasure. And hopefully we'll talk more about expansions. And I think Interprovincial Championships, we'll get you on again. We'll chat about that come August and we'll we'll, we'll see who's in it. Yeah, I can't wait to see who's in it. You know, I mean, uh, uh, it's all to play for, right? I mean, this year in Ontario, you know, we're, we're using the hashtag every point matters because we're going into a promotional relegation. Yeah, see, that fascinates me. So, you know, not only are teams fighting to win the title, but they're also fighting for positions. So there is so much at stake and uh, it's going to be a hotly contested year. Uh, I can't, you know, we don't have, um, we don't have national team uh, obligations that might keep NDC out of it if they were to win again. Um, and they are an exciting group. I mean, you know, you're talking about Canada's next generation of, many of Canada's next generation of female superstars. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoy watching them so much. So uh, let's see if they're the our representatives, because I know the rest of our 18 women's teams are not rolling over and just handing it to NDC. Uh, those, those young stars are going to have to fight. So um, can't wait. Can't wait to see who it is and who the other provinces, uh, you know, bring forward. Uh, and can't wait to come out to uh, British Columbia in August again. I was there. I was there for the BC League One final last year, and that was wonderful. A uh, couple of days, and uh, can't wait to come back out. Well, I can't wait to see you again, Dino. Thank you so much for your time today, and we'll talk again soon. All right, Michael. Thank you so much. Great stuff there from Dino Rossi and... Of all the things that is growing in Canadian soccer, I've got to say the growth of the game at this League One level, it really excites me so much. I'm glad to just have a small part to play in, in growing it at this level. For those that may or may not know, we are commentators for teams in League One. Last year, we did four teams in League One. This year, we're doing TSS Rovers and Altitude may add a, a few other things in there, but as of now, that is the ones that we're doing. The League One BC season gets underway this weekend, so we thought it's a good time to have Dino on the show. If you can get out to any of the League One action this weekend, go and do that. Four games on the slate. The big one is the rematch of last year's League One BC championship game as the defending champs now and the team I'm sure everyone is going to now want to knock off, TSS Rovers, play host on Saturday at Swan Guard to Nosomat. That's the newly rebranded Varsity FC from last year. Should be two cracking games. The women's game goes at 1.30. The men's game goes at 4pm. Something to, to note for this League One BC season, whoever wins the regular season will be the team that qualifies for next year's Canadian Championship. So, a lot to, to play for in that. Sadly, TSS is going to be heavily depleted for this game because a number of their players are also going to be involved in the Provincial Cup, the A-Cup final between BB5 and Croatia. Absolutely horrible 
scheduling decision by BC Soccer to have that on the Saturday and not the Sunday, but so be it. It is what it is. As Will Cromack says, it's next next man up. So we'll see who rises to the plate. But get out and support League One BC, League One Canada, League One Quebec. It's a great brand of football. The League One Ontario season's already underway. We'll be bringing you coverage all year long, all season long on AFTN. And BC plays the hosts to the Interprovincial Championship Games in August between the, the three leagues that currently exist. So really looking forward to that one. But that is it for our League One chat. That's it for our TSS chat. But it's not it for the show. We've got some CPL stuff to talk about next. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Dino Rossi and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. I'm waiting by the loading dock for you. A TV and guitar in heart for you. Come on, girl. Come on and give me a ring. Come on, girl. Pick up and ring. Come on. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it is the final song in April for our Artist of the Month, Sparks. That was their collaboration band. I played a, a song from them before with Franz Ferdinand, the Scottish legends. They were known as FFS. Franz Ferdinand Sparks one album was released a self-titled affair and that's a song from it called Call Girl hope you've enjoyed all our Sparks songs over the month if you have go and check out their stuff online wherever you get your music from fantastic band they've been going over 50 years and their new stuff and the new album that they've got out is just some of their best stuff yet so a great band check out the documentary that they had as well the Sparks Brothers and we'll be back with a new Artist of the Month in next week's show who's it going to be? will you like them? probably not but we're going to bring you them anyway for the whole month we've got one final part to bring you in this episode and we're turning our attention to the Canadian Premier League because we've talked history makers. It's been a very historic week for British Columbia football sides. Rounded off on Saturday afternoon as Vancouver FC 
not only got their first ever goal in the CPL, or their first ever goal as a, a club in a competitive match, that coming from Shan Hundle, but they also got their first ever victory, a well-deserved 2-1 win over York United, getting a semblance of revenge for their controversial loss in the Canadian Championship a few days earlier to the same team. When we were speaking to Afshin Gopi in his pre-game call on Friday, he said he's not in the revenge business, but it must have been sweet to know that they came out, they got that victory, and I mean, it was well-deserved. They were cock-a-hoop. Throwing that word in a lot, I just love that word, but they were... It had been playing all on minds. How much they admit it or not, it clearly is something. You want to get that first win. You want to get that first goal. We spoke to Afshin, as I mentioned, just before the game, and he talked that he felt everything was going right offensively. They were just needing that clinical finish in front of goal, that they were clicking, they were creating, they were showing well, attacking defensively. They've looked really good. It all came good for them on Saturday afternoon with that win against York. As mentioned, Shan Hundle got that historic first ever goal for Vancouver FC in the sixth minute, pouncing on some horrible defensive play and showing a nice bit of anticipation to finish. Twelve minutes later, it was 2-0, Gail Sandoval from the spot. York did pull one back in the 35th minute, and on the day, York outshot Vancouver 21-10, 7-4 shots on target. Off those four shots for Vancouver, two ended up in the back of the net. That's all that really matters. And it's been a, a tough initial spell, a, a tough baptism of fire in the league really for Vancouver FC having to play their first three league games and their Canadian Championship game on the road. They've got one more match to come on the road before they finally get that home opener on May 7th against Cavalry. That one game comes up next weekend where they are travelling even further across coast to Halifax to take on the Wanderers. going to bring you a little bit of post-game audio now, just from head coach Afshin Gopi. Historic goal scorer Shan Hundle, and also from Gail Sandoval as well, just touching on that famous first victory, the famous first goal, just the toughness really of this inaugural CPL season for them, and a few other things as well. It's a very emotional moment for our players, staff, and I think the club. Uh, it was weighing on their shoulders for a while now because uh, the discussions was always about who's going to score the first goal, when is going to be the first victory, and I'm hoping to get that out of the way because I think then we can play with uh, better concentration and, and, and better football. I, I felt it was a wonderful game and a, a, a very close game, so it was a very exciting, I'm sure, uh, for all the fans that watched it at home. Like yesterday, you spoke about the fact that you, you felt you were getting the chances in the attacking third and it, things just maybe weren't coming off. You touched a little bit on it already, but like Shan, 
the anticipation that he showed to take that first chance and then obviously getting the penalty and getting that second goal, do you feel that the confidence boost now that that is going to give the attacking players, that now that they've got that monkey off their back, that they're just going to go on and start to be a little bit more clinical in front of goal? Uh, 100%. I think uh, winning and scoring is, is vitamins for strikers. And I think uh, our players really uh, needed to score and needed to win together. And I think it will just uh, give us a foundation and a springboard to have better results and better performances. Um, I, I think as we've experienced in life, it's all about momentum. And when uh, you lose games in sequence or you win games in sequence, uh, it's not it's not an accident. It's all about how do you create the synergy that you can build on. And I think uh, our players, uh, because their performances are very good, and I urge them to believe and have faith in the way they play and their qualities. Uh, and I feel I felt they showed that today and that belief, and we saw it not only at the beginning of the game but all the way to the end. Uh, and, and I'm very proud of uh, the resilience they showed because. They could have easily, in the in the later stage of this game, as a young team would do, as a new team would do, take a, an equalizer goal and give the win away. But uh, I think they kept their their cool and and able to get a result. So I'm proud of them. We we talked before that, that there was nothing that you could have done uh, with the stadium not being finished to not start the, the start of the season away from home. But it's kind of been a little bit of a baptism of fire, I guess, for you as a coach now in the league. What have you kind of learned from these eight days about how different this league is and the kind of logistics of having all this travel and maybe having to be on the road a little bit more than usual? I think it's a wonderful question and I've discussed it with uh, with my ownership. I've discussed it with my staff. Uh, I think one of the things uh, I, I'm 100% sure of, there's no doubt the quality of players and the quality of teams in this league. I think uh, the Canadian uh, Premier League, uh, the world needs to know about the, the quality of the teams and the players. It's, it's fantastic for, for a young league to have such quality. I think what we have to work on together is how do we uh, create, uh, give the logistical support, how do we give the, 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 the financial support to give the, have more staff uh, and more uh, logistical uh, aid to players as they travel so they can be comfortable to give the performances they need. I mean, it's we're talking about it on every uh, level, from technical level to uh, to medical staff and having that kind of support around the team. Uh, and part of it is there are many people have three, four jobs in a team and and, and, and other countries and other leagues, uh, um, uh, everybody's an expert in what they do and everybody has one job, but multiple jobs. So I feel that that will come with time, I'm sure. I saw it in MLS. I, I remember when 1996, when the LA Galaxy started, they didn't have a training pitch. They would go to the Rose Bowl, change their clothes, get in cars, personal cars, go to different facilities and try to uh, uh, train. And and now they have one of the most beautiful training facilities. So uh, it's going to take time. But if we work together and, and really fight for the development of the game and build the Canadian football, I think this league can be a very special league in the, in the global uh, uh, football. Uh, you were talking a bit about mentality and psychology and the problem of scoring the first goal and getting that first win. Now that that's all out of the way, how are you planning to cultivate this good energy that you get from your first win into the next match and into the earlier parts of the season? 
um, I can assure you that it'll be a little bit easier now. Uh, I think the their smiles in everyone's faces and uh, and and a deeper belief in themselves and uh, each other. Uh, I think, uh, as I've shared uh, earlier in this uh, in this interview, that. Uh, uh, winning is a habit. Winning is something that I think you can uh, uh, build a, a, a spirit and a mentality in a group. And uh, I think these players are winners. They want to win together. They uh, they they know it's going to be difficult to uh, uh, put wins back to back due to uh, the the lack of depth of most teams and including our team, the logistical issues and long travels. But uh, I think with uh, with a unity uh, with uh, 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 innovation and creativity within the, the team and and just our playing structure our playing structure make it easy for our players uh, to uh, take the right positions stay connected and defensively and offensively be able to outnumber opponents in the important uh, parts of the pitch and you, you know you, you talk about there about having not that much depth how important isn't for you to have such a squad that's so flexible in their positioning. We saw Kwok come in on the right side for Caden after he got a knock and he performed really well there. How important is it for you to adapt to different situations and different scenarios now that you have a team that has capabilities to play basically in multiple positions? Um, again, a great question. And I think that has a lot to do with our preparation and our, and our uh, recruiting and scouting. Uh, we knew that uh, uh, that Quack could play a right back, left back, right wing, left wing, and we felt that for a young player at this age, uh, uh, that's a great, a great pick for us. And you see his fighting spirit. He reminds me of Park Ji Sung. He's still not as good as Park Ji Sung, but you see his reaction after we win the ball, or lose the ball. How he's uh, he's a warrior. And and uh, I've worked five years for the Korean national team, and I was in Korea for a long time. So. And that's one of their qualities that they have. And it's nice to have a nice Korean player for not only for the league, but also for Vancouver, because there's a huge Korean community in Vancouver area. So uh, we're happy with him. But there are many players. Even uh, you look at uh, Gabby Betar, he can play as a winger. He can play as a, as a shadow striker. He can play in midfield. So that makes it easier for me that, uh, that because I don't have a big pool of players to be able to tactically make the adjustments necessary due to who's available and due to the tactical requirements of each game. It's always nice to score, you know. Um, I've been doing it my whole career because I've been a striker. So uh, this one was a little, it meant a little bit more, you know, because I'm, I'm, it's history being the first goal scorer. I know I, I grew up uh, being coached by Danny Dicchio and every time I go to the game, they sing a song for him. So I get goosebumps every time I hear it and, you know, I've, I've grew up looking up to him and you know for me to do it in a, a club in Vancouver especially doing it back home in Toronto feels really good it, it's it's nice to just have have a team in Vancouver that um has like a brand uh I know the Whitecaps are there I don't think they're winning a lot of games and it's nice to be uh a team that got a win you know and a, and a new team that got a win this early in the season and I hope we can show all of Vancouver you know what we can do and what the Whitecaps can so yeah I've seen talked a little bit about it's kind of a weight off the team as well. It was kind of playing on your minds because everyone's wanting to know when do you get that first goal? When do you get that first win? Obviously a very joyous mood in the in the dressing room just now. But was it weighing on your mind and other players' minds of we haven't scored yet, we haven't got that first point? Uh, I'm not sure about other players, but for myself, uh, not really, honestly. Um, I, my, I started my professional career at TFC2. Um, 
I didn't. I think I didn't score probably in like seven or eight games my first goal. But Jason Bent uh, played me every game, started me every game, and I got it. So I wasn't really too worried because I know it's only been two regular season games or one before today. So I wasn't really worried. I knew the goals were going to come. Uh, I scored the offside goal in the first game against Pacific, and I know I'm going to get my chances. I mean, today I got. I should have had a first half hat trick if, if I'm being honest, but. I know the chances are coming, so I wasn't really pressured. I just had to be confident enough to finish it. So, The team's kind of had a baptism of fire. The fact that you, you're not able to play until May 7th here in Vancouver has forced you to be on the road. Three games in eight days is obviously a, a lot for, for any players to have, especially when all on the road. Looking at the previous time that you were here in the CPL with Valor, it was obviously during the COVID season, so you didn't have to really experience all the kind of rigours of travel and going from the island to then heading to the other side of the country. How have you found all that logistic side of things in this last eight days? It's tough for sure. Um, a five-hour flight here, a five-hour flight back, and I think it's a seven-hour flight to Halifax. The travel is definitely hard. Um, I think coming two days earlier than the game, I think it helps a lot. Um, first away game, first real away game, Pacific isn't too far. First real away game was a Canadian championship. I think it, it kind of caught everyone by surprise in our first half. We weren't didn't look the best. Um, but I think I think these first away games is good for the team. We didn't really get to travel too much in the preseason. So being away away with the team, it kind of makes everyone uh, closer together, gel, you know, get to get to know each other and yeah, it, it's it's only gonna get better when we keep travelling and being with each other. So yeah, you touched there about the Danny DeKeel song at, at TFC. If the Vancouver fans were to have a song in the sixth minute for you, what would that mean for you? And what would you like it to be? It would mean everything. <laughs> I don't know what I'd like it to be, but uh, it would it would mean everything. Um, for that for it to be uh, something that they do every game in the sixth minute, that would, that would mean the world to me. You know, just it, it's history, right? So I, I wouldn't. I don't know. I would be lost for words. So yeah. I'll have a word with Zach. We'll see what we can get sorted out for you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. How have you found the the last eight days? Because obviously the CPL has a little bit of different logistics to some of the other leagues that you're in, having to be on the road, traveling from one, one side of the country to the other. I know you've had a lot of travel when you were down in the A-League, but has this been a little bit of a, a difference for you? Has it been a bit of an eye-opener for you? Well, honestly, it's, it's tired, you know? Fly for long hours is... Just... Is so tired for the legs for the all the guys because it is a it's a big trouble. But I think if we keep the mentally in you know, like happy and and we're still working on 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 the football on the on the create um, chance for 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 score and we keep the mentally better. I think it's it's, it's normal because you know you have a we have a lot of uh, young guys. And it's the first time they play in the, in the first division, so maybe it's good if he know they know how is the the fly, how is uh, the traveling, how is the experience in the football, you know. So maybe it's good they need to enjoy uh, this moment. Having lost last week and having the the defeat midweek as well, how much? was playing on your mind as one of the experienced players that we need to get this first goal, we need to get these first points? Or did you not even think about that? Well, you know, the cover is important for us and for everybody because you have a chance for play with uh, MLS teams. But I think it's, it's, 
maybe that's my opinion in, uh, we are not ready now you know for play now maybe on another level we need to keep working step by step we are so young guys i think the most young in the league the team so i think we we won't deserve now to play in the cp and in in the cup that's why we can we can win because if i told you what happened with the ref well everybody knows what happened you know everybody knows it's not penalty but it is what it is and we need to work in 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 the league and we try to be the best Afshin Gopi, Shan Hundo, Gail Sandoval there, just talking a lot of things about Vancouver FC's start to this season. Obviously some stuff was made from Shan Hundo's comments there that it, it's nice to have a Vancouver club that wins. I, I get trying to stoke the rivalry and trying to show that they're competing with the Whitecaps and all that kind of stuff. That I don't mind. I love stoking rivalry. I love just getting that kind of animosity almost going bit between clubs and, and rival supporters. Whether you've earned the right to say that after just having one win, I'm not so sure. But I'm in heat at the moment, excited at getting that first goal. But they need to do a lot more before I feel that they can really claim to be Vancouver's team. I loved the little comment there as well of TSS win games as well, which we do. TSS beating a CPL team before Vancouver FC managed to do it. Just sort of throw that one in if we're throwing shade at each other. But delighted for everyone connected with the club, getting that first victory. It is a way of their mind, monkey off the back, you want to get that done and you want to push on now. I mean, they are creating chances that easily could have had more than two goals in that game. It wasn't to be, but three points on the board, that's all that ultimately really matters. And it was a victory that actually takes them up to third in the table. Valor leading the way. They had a one-all draw with Ottawa at the weekend. Pacific had a one-all draw with Cavalry. They're sitting second, those two teams, on four points from their first two games. Then Vancouver FC sitting third with that one win and one defeat. Forge and Wanderers put in a one-all draw as well. It was very much a weekend of draws. But bottom of the table, currently sitting, looking up, seven teams above them, is York United. And things just not going well for York right now woke up on Monday morning to an email from Canadian Soccer Business and the CPL mentioning that CSB has purchased York United taken immediate ownership from the Baldessara family purchase comes in anticipation of transferring the club to new ownership there's been lots of murmurs that they're moving stadium, they're going to the Woodbine facility, moving away from York University. And the crowds that they've been getting at York, it's just, it's not been good. It doesn't look good on TV, the way the camera's set up, all the empty seats. And it it's a club that obviously struggles 
because of how close they are in proximity to Toronto FC. How soon new ownership will be found, we don't know. Maybe they've got someone lined up for, for all we know. But it is concerning coming on the heels of FC Edmonton folding at the end of last year. There's lots of murmurs in local soccer circles and Canadian soccer circles that Valor FC are also up for sale and they're looking for a buyer. The club has to stay in Winnipeg from whatever ownership group does buy into it. And whereas last week we had CPL Commissioner Martin on the show just talking about the expansion plans and the growth of the league, all of which is great. We've got Vancouver FC coming in just now. They're looking to have teams in Quebec. There's been lots of murmurs of Kelowna getting a team down the road and then the Prairies. Adding these new teams is great, but if you're losing the existing teams like Edmonton, York, who knows what will happen to them if they can't find this new ownership. It's just all very concerning as about just really the the future viability and sustainability of the league. And especially if anything comes from all these committee meetings, the Heritage Committee meetings, about the CSB deal with Canada Soccer. The league needs this money to survive, so we'll, we'll keep our ear to the ground, and next time we have Zach in the show, we'll talk a little bit more about this as more stuff comes out this week, because it was just breaking news today. So why that was disappointing news for the league, let's cover a bit better news, and something which was announced on Friday afternoon that I'm very excited by, but I also have a, a few reservations about as well. As the CPL announces their Downward Player Movement pilot project. Bit of a mouthful, but in short, basically what that means is this is a, a temporary pilot project just to see how things go that will allow CPL players to earn competitive minutes in the League One Canada competitions. So that's League One BC, League One Ontario, League One Quebec, and also the new League One Alberta exhibition series that is taking place this summer. It will also allow the the CPL teams to get their players' competitive minutes in USL League Two and the top men's leagues in Manitoba and Nova Scotia as well. And those two are interesting for a reason that, that we'll kind of come to. Basically, CPL clubs can now move their professional players down to their designated affiliate club. So all eight CPL sides can have an affiliated club and they can get their younger guys or any of their guys, really, if they're coming back from injury or whatever, to earn additional playing time in competitive matches, get them up to speed if they're coming back from injury or just getting that experience in competitive games. One thing I don't like about it is that there is no upward movement from affiliate clubs to the CPL as part of this pilot project. Because, I mean, what would be great is if a CPL team is affiliated with a League One side and there's a real standout player in that League One side, then they get the chance to maybe get a call-up to the CPL, much like you get with MLS Next Pro and the guys can get four call-ups a year to, to come and join the first team. That, to me, would have been an even better part of the project. So that that's one of the things I don't like about it. 
But I do like that you're getting this competitive environment and a real tough testing environment for these younger guys to get the vital minutes that they need to continue with their development. So it should be noted that the minutes earned by under-21 CPL players in lower division play do not count towards the league's under-21 minutes threshold. Players aged 23 or older can only appear in three games for an affiliate club in a year, and only one player aged 23 or older can be moved down at any given time. There's also no match limit for players under the age of 23. Any CPL players that's on loan as well to a CPL team, they're not eligible for this. So all eight clubs can have an affiliate club. So right now, five of them have decided what they want to do. York United are tied up with League One Ontario side Alliance United. Unsurprisingly, Forge are tied up with League One Ontario side Sigma. Cavalry will be affiliated with Cavalry FC Under-21 in the Alberta Men's Soccer League and also the League One Alberta Exhibition Series. And the interesting thing is that the two BC teams, so Vancouver FC makes a lot of sense, but they are tied in with Langley-based Unity FC, which is basically the League One side for Trinity Western Spartans. But the real interesting one is Pacific FC, Now, with two League One BC sides on the island in Highlanders and Victoria and the new Harborside team in Nanaimo, you would have hoped that they would have affiliated with one of those just to grow the game across the island. But James Merriman, the head coach of Pacific FC, has strong ties and involvement with Hope and Health, the charity that bought over Varsity FC and are now the new owners for what is called Nosoma FC. So Pacific FC's affiliation is with Nosoma, which is basically UBC's affiliate side. Now, that is great for both those clubs, and for Pacific, you're getting some very strong sort of U-sport players in that team as well. And certainly, we saw last year how well Varsity did in the League 1 BC season, just losing the championship game to TSS and there'll be ones that's looking to to get into the Canadian championship next year by winning the regular season and having this deal with Pacific will certainly help that. It's just a little disappointing for me that they didn't go with the island sides. I I get why, but I, I just think that would have been better for the growth of the game on the island. One of the other things that I'm not a big fan of, though, for all these deals is you're strengthening certain sides. A side like TSS, for example, they can't have one of these affiliations because they have a lot of NCAA players on their team. So they are not allowed to be in a team with professional players. So that would rule them out altogether. But it means that you're strengthening one side, for example, in League One BC out of eight And hopefully that will not be detrimental to the others and the other success as well. Now, three of the CPL sides, Halifax Wanderers, Valor and Athletical Ottawa, can choose to affiliate with a team in any of the leagues mentioned. But at this point in time, unless anything's changed today that I've missed with being down the coast, they still have to make their decisions. 
so it's it's certainly an interesting project and it is just a pilot project to see how it works out if it does work out it's going to be something i think they're going to kind of dig into and bed down a little bit more going forward but it there's more positives outweighing the negatives and i just think it's a, a good thing to kind of bring all the leagues a little bit closer together as well as we mentioned, Vancouver FC, their affiliated club is Unity FC. So I got a chance to ask Afshin Gopi on Friday just what this affiliation means to Vancouver FC and in the development of the younger talent on the roster. Here's what he had to tell me. want to ask you about the Downward Player Movement pilot project that was just uh, announced and the, the club's connections and tie-ins now with Unity FC in, in League One. How important is that going to be as a piece for you to get some competitive minutes for the younger guys on your team that aren't going to be featuring every week? And I, I guess Unity was the obvious choice because it's another Langley-based club. I think that's critical. Uh, uh, I think players... Uh, learn the most by playing matches and we need players to play competitive matches on a regular basis and to develop young players which is one of the most important part of our project we need to create the platform for them that they train at the highest level with the best players and the best conditions but also they play competitive games so, so we're very happy to have this alliance and we hope that uh, by uh, creating these kind of alliances in the community, uh, we bring the whole British uh, Columbia community, football community, closer to each other. Um, and we also hope that these minutes will help our younger players develop. Afshin Gopi there, just explaining the importance of this League One affiliation with Unity to Vancouver FC. Certainly a few young guys on that roster that I would expect to, to join Unity. And it's going to be interesting to see how strong Unity are this year with those players involved. have to think Halifax is going to strike a deal with Vaughan FC. They just haven't done that yet. But with some of their players going to, to Halifax and obviously the head coach Patrice Geyser as well, to me that that's the, the no-brainer. So it's going to be interesting to see really who Valor and Ottawa picked to be their affiliated clubs. But at least that's a good, positive, good news story to end from, from the CPL after a mixed couple of days of news as well. And that is pretty much it for this episode of the show as well. But of course we can't go without bringing you this week's wavelength. Um, th this was a song I've been keeping back just to, to mark an occasion with it. And I think we got that occasion on Wednesday night in the Canadian Championship. That horrible penalty decision that gave York the 1-0 win cost Vancouver FC the chance to win their first ever Canadian Championship game. Cost everyone the chance to get the first ever Vancouver FC, Vancouver Whitecaps, BC Derby in the competition. So I had to go for this song from 2021, former Artist of the Month from Luxembourg, The Skin Flicks. This is a reworking of their song from many years ago, Smash the Love Parade. It's from their 2022 Cream of the Cropped album. This is Smash the Referee.
This skin flicks, smash the referee, and obviously all of us here at AFTN do not condone any abuse or violence towards referees. But sometimes they make really bad decisions and they make you want to smash something. That's all I'll say. But that is it for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been another long one. We have covered a hell of a lot in this episode. And I hope you haven't been fed up just listening to my voice for the vast majority of it as well. We'll be back with the usual gang soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. And mon, Canadian soccer. It's a golden age, everybody. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Ten minutes left. Yeah, but